Y'all just felt the presence of the Lord step in here. God just spoke to me. He said, I'm ordained this meeting. I knew in my spirit, God started speaking to me. That He's ordained this to bring a change in us. There's got to be a desperation to take hold of God's people because they've just settled in. Can't remember when it was, but it hadn't been very long. The Lord woke me up about 3 o'clock in the morning. I think it was just this last week. He said, Woe be unto those that are at ease inside. God's people settle down. We've settled down in life. We've settled down in our relationship with God. We've settled down in our dedications. And we're just being comfortable. People don't want to fight for anything. But I'm going to tell you something. People are deceiving themselves if they think the church has got what it had in the book of Acts. They're deceiving themselves. People talk about God. They talk about the power. They talk about everything God can do. And they produce nothing. Nothing. What was it Isaiah said? He said, you bring forth wind. You don't, you, don't, you don't bring forth nothing. Just wind. He said, what a, a day of blasphemy has come. He said, the time for God's people to birth and bring forth, he said, has come upon us. He said, they don't have the strength. They do not have the strength to birth the Son of Man ministry. Brother Donald, know and understand that some of the things you were saying was talking about Jesus. But there's a difference between Jesus and the Christ. When this fullness of Christ comes in, you're going to be reborn. You're going to be reborn. You're going to be a quickening spirit. And the devil ain't even going to bother to approach you because he knows there ain't no use. When Jesus said the Son of Man... Uh, uh, when he said, the prince of this world cometh had nothing in me, he was still the man. He had already crucified himself to the will of the Father. But once he was reborn, there was no power in flesh to be tempted. we got to produce this Son of Man. God's people have settled down with religion. All's been taught about the Holy Ghost is a talking tongues. And that's all people are doing. They're running, they're jerking, they're shouting, they're praising, they're singing, and producing nothing. Find me that verse in Isaiah, I believe it's in Isaiah 26. I believe where it is. Because he said, we've come to that place. It's time to birth, it's time to bring forth. There's something been in my spirit for two or three weeks that I can't stand this phrase. For everybody, that, well, hey man of God, hey woman of God, it just sends something through me that just makes me fighting mad. What establishes that vessel as a man or a woman of God? Just because you, you're a servant of the Lord 
and you live good, you might preach good, does not make you a man or a woman of God. What does it say? We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not brought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Ain't that good? It's exactly what I'm talking about. We'll tell you when that widow's son died that Elijah dwelt with. Let me find that scripture. Let me turn over there real quick. I know it's in First Kings. Because this is what the Lord spoke to me the other morning. Y'all give me just a minute. I know where I'm going. I just got to get there. I believe it's First Kings 17. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I am in no hurry whatsoever. Verse 17 of First Kings 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thy man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord, said, O Lord my God, hearest thou also? Hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn or whom I dwell with by slaying her son? He stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord. and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come unto him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. The soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down over the, out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother and said, and Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. Now listen what this woman said. And the woman said to Elijah, Now, by this, I know that thou art a man of God. By this miracle, this deliverance, this resurrection of my son from the dead, by this I know that thou art a man of God. You show me where the men of God are. There's plenty of good vessels out there that preach good. I guess they live a good life. But don't go calling them men and women of God if they don't have this witness. There's got to be a witness of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says Jesus chose 12 witnesses. One of them was a devil. But after his resurrection, he had 11 people that he prepared to bear witness that he lived on the inside of them in a measure. 
Somebody texted me the other day I hadn't spoke to, had a conversation with in over two years. It was Father's Day. And they texted me and said, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Man of God. When I was talking to them yesterday, they said, I was just going to text you and wish you happy Father's Day, brother. And said, God spoke to me. He said, you call that man a man of God. You call him a man of God because you've seen miracles and deliverance. The very word that came out of my mouth delivered that man when he was about ready to give up back in 2011. I saw a vision of him and there was a purple robe hanging over his head, hanging by thread. And God told me He'd chosen him for the royal priesthood in this ministry. And I ministered that word to him in a meeting. And God changed his life and turned him around. By this, where's the witness? Where's the signs? Where's the word of the Lord? Just God inspired you to preach a good message. Ain't the word of the Lord. God may talk to you about something and give you a give you a good message, give you an inspiration. But ain't the word of the Lord that leads God's people. We don't have any leadership. How many times have I told y'all over the years? You've heard me say it. I said there's times, many times, God, I mean almost every week, God will inspire my heart and give me something to minister. But I said just every now and then, the Word of the Lord, the Word of the Lord will come to me. And I know people don't like to hear this, but I remember in July 2009, right after I had that vision of the economy of this country born into the ground. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And it wasn't about a week, ten days later, I was on my knees down in South Georgia praying. And the word of the Lord spoke to me and said, This is the word of the Lord to the nations. Boy, that made some people mad. Who does Brother Better think he is? I'm just telling you what God told me. The Word of the Lord does come to me. God said, if there be a prophet among you, He said, I'll speak to him. My what? Dreams and visions. Show me somebody that's having dreams and visions that's impacting the body of Christ. You got a lot of people saying, God told me this and God told me that and God spoke this to me and God spoke that. But what's He doing to the body? Nothing. Nothing. Not impacting the body. Not leading them anywhere. People don't have a vision. Most people go to church. They don't have a vision. And I'm not criticizing, but all those years y'all spent over there in the church with Sister... The sister of her passed away. Did she have a vision? Was there a vision put before the church or y'all just having good services and God moving? Both people just going having good church. The Bible says without a vision, 
The people what? They perish. God's people are perishing. You know why? Lack of knowledge. Isaiah said in Isaiah 5, he said, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. In Hosea, I believe it's 4, he said, my people are destroyed because they have no knowledge. They're destroyed. People are destroyed because they don't know this right here. They're destroyed because nobody's given them a vision to press for. Nobody's given them a vision to fight for. I have given you all the word of the kingdom and told you to fight for it and taught you to fight for it and taught you to go after this. And if we don't take a hold of this, you know, the Lord started speaking to me two years ago and I started telling people, I said, the gifts and callings without repentance. The gifts, not gifts of the Spirit, ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. It ain't the working of the gifts of the Spirit. It's the ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers. That's the calling and the gift that's without repentance. God places that call and that gift in your life and you don't fulfill it. I'm going to tell you like Paul said. He said, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel of Christ. Woe be unto me. And what did God tell us in, in, in September 2016? And I've been telling you all since then, new crop, new ministry, new anointing. And people stayed stuck in the same old junk. They just keep going to church. Opening up the same way. Singing the same songs. Running and shouting and talking in tongues. Crying. And nothing's changing. Nothing's moving them. It's a religious demon. It's got people in bondage. It's got them in bondage. The Word of God plainly says, and Paul said it, when you see a people that have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. What did he say? Does anybody know what he said? He said, from such, turn away. You better turn away from them because they bound in a spirit of religion. That's the reason I will not let people get in a form where I preach. I won't let them do it. Not going to happen. Singing's good, but it's got to be anointed. It's got to be led by the Spirit. All the years God's people have come together. I remember sitting right here in this living room on August the 18th, 2017. Lord told me to have my wife turn that video camera on. The Spirit of prophecy come on me, and I prophesied for about 20 minutes. And God said, I negate the way you worship. I, I, I nullify it. It's not right. You're not coming together and sinking me. You're coming together and going forward. He said, it's wrong. You can't worship God two or three days a week and spend two or three hours, if even, in His presence. So you come together Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Let's say you spend two hours with God. So you spend a whole six hours a week in worship. And it ain't true worship. It ain't true worship. It ain't nothing in the world but a form. People do not get into true worship. 
And the Lord spoke to us two years ago, be two years in August, said, I negate, I nullify it. It's wrong. He said, you better learn to come together and seek me. Better learn to come together and seek me. Because he said, they that worship me, going to worship me how? Spirit and truth. We don't put our whole spirit and heart in worshiping God. Because most of the time our minds are somewhere else. That's what the spirit of prayer is for, to gather our minds together in the unity of the faith, in the unity of the spirit. Just like this morning, there was something come in here in prayer. God wants to visit right here today. He wants you to leave here with a mindset bound in a unity of the Spirit that you're going to fight for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And you're going to have a goal. You're going to have a mark that you're pressing for. I want to read these Scriptures out of 1 Samuel 3. And I think I may have mentioned them or read them last time we was at the church. Don't know if I got into them or not, but that's okay too. But it's in First Samuel three. And I'm going to begin at the first verse. The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. You tell me we're not here right now. You tell me, you tell me we're not here right now. You tell me the men and women of God that are having true visions and a true word from the Lord to lead God's people. If they was, God's people would be going somewhere. See, God's people, they got this spirit, they got this religious spirit on them now. They don't want nobody to preach them the truth. They don't want nobody to preach them the truth. They want the deliverance, they want the healing. Now I go somewhere and minister and God starts healing. They'll line up to the church door. That's what they want. They want them hands laid on them. They want that yoke destroyed. But they don't want to hear the true word from God. God led Israel after Joshua and the men with Joshua died. God led Israel for 400 years by judges. And God spoke to them men. And them women. But there wasn't many people in those days had open visions. They did pray and God did lead them and God did deliver Israel and judge Israel. But after the last judge, till Samuel came along, which if I've, I've tried to study the history on it, about a period of 40 to 50 years. And Israel got herself in a mess. Got herself in bondage under the Philistines. That's why it says right here, Samuel was a child ministered before the Lord, and there was no open vision. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. You know what? They hadn't heard from God in 40 or 50 years. They hadn't heard from God in 40 or 50. There was no open vision. And Samuel was a child. Was he ordained of God? Yeah. But he hadn't come to that place. And if you go on down with me, Verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed unto him. He was a called chosen vessel. 
ordained of God. When his mama weaned him, she took him to the temple, gave him to God, and he ministered before Eli the priest. But he still didn't know. God had not yet revealed the word of the Lord unto him. How many people are sitting in church going through a form that they don't know the true working of the Spirit of God and the Word of the Lord? There'll be people who serve God all their life and never have the Word of the Lord revealed to them because there's nothing in them to press God. There's nothing in them desperate. There's nothing in them hungry. They've been taught they got the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues. That's all they're doing. They're waiting for the Lord to come get to church. What about the souls out there? What about the souls next door to you? What about the souls down the street from you? What about the souls in your neighborhood? Lord, do something for God. All right? Do it. You got a neighborhood full of sinners. You got a neighborhood full of people bound by the devil. You got a whole field right there, two miles from your house. That God's already opened the door. And what are we doing? Going to church. Man, God spoke to us today. My God, that word was rich. My God, God moved in the power of God. Was so, was okay, so what are we doing with it? Are we seeking for a witness? Are we seeking for something in our lives? Are we seeking for the word of the Lord to be revealed to us? And so God started honoring Samuel. The Bible said he would let none of his words fall to the ground. Verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Bathsheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. They knew he was. But then look what it says in verse 21. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. Man, it's so long that I fasted and prayed and sought God when I was young. And I'd hear these preachers talk. Well, the Word of the Lord came to me. Man, I'd be doing two or three 40-day fasts a year and probably a 21, probably seven, eight, 21-day fast. There was one year that I kept track of the fasting I was doing, and I fasted over half the year. 185 days I fasted that year. Hungry for God. And finally, I got aggravated and I told the Lord, I said, Well, you don't let the Word of the Lord come to me while these guys doing it, I ain't. I mean, I was agitated. And so I heard one of them, I mean, all these preachers, young preachers about my age. And so I went and asked one of them, he said, Well, I said, What do you mean when you say the Word of the Lord come to me? Come to you? He said, You ever had God speak the Word? That's Scripture into your spirit and give you direction on I said, yeah. He said, that's the Word of the Lord coming to you. I just about slapped myself upside the head. I said, good God Almighty. I said, God's been doing that from day one. <laughs> but see, the Word of the Lord had not been revealed to me. God will speak to people and they don't even know the Word of the Lord's come to them. 
Don't even, don't have, you know why? Hadn't been revealed to them. God has to reveal Himself to you. If we ain't careful, the people fixing to miss the call of God that God's placed on their lives because they won't do nothing with the Word that God's placed in them, the call. And I'm telling you, it's that ministry call. It's that ministry gift. Apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Because I'm all, when, I, when I come to the Lord at 19, I started fasting, praying, seeking God. And they had a, they had a big bakery over out of Fort Payne. Back then, people was working for $1.75, two, two and a quarter, $2.50 an hour. That was a good paying job. This bakery was paying close to eight. And the door opened that I could get a job there. But they told me I was going to have to work weekends and I was going to have to miss church. Could have had a good paying job, insurance, benefits. You know what I told them? No, thank you. No, thank you. I ain't going to get tied down 40, 50 hours a week, miss service, and if God opens the door for me, go preach. You think I'm going to be tied up? No. So I, I started learning how to work for myself. Matter of fact, I had a man call me about doing a job. And he said, you know how to sweat copper and plumb? I said, yes, sir. Didn't know nothing. I went and bought me some copper pipe, bought me some solder, bought me a torch. And you can believe it or not, in a dream, the Lord taught me how to solder copper. And I went and done that job. Paid good. Worked about two days and made more in two days than I could make working on a job 40 hours a week. I had a man, another man called me. I started putting business cards out there. Wiring, plumbing, painting. He said, you know how to... He said, i got a garage that needs wiring. He said, what would you charge me to wire it? And I told him. He said, you, sh- you know how to do this? I said, yes, sir. Didn't know nothing. So I went and talked to a friend of mine as an electrician. He gave me a lead on what to do. And then again, that night in a dream, the Lord showed me how to connect them wires and how to make them circuits. And I went and done that man for that job. He was satisfied. But see, I worked for myself so I could be free to serve God. So I could go when God said go. The door to go preach, I was going to go preach. I was going to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. I didn't care about benefits. I didn't care about retirement. I didn't care about having insurance. 37 years we've been married. We've never carried medical insurance. We just always believed God. We just always believed God. Never put back nothing for retirement. Do I wish I'd done something different now? Probably. That's all right. God's still going to take care of us. Lord told us. I mean, here, here about ten years ago. I was thinking about investing in silver, buying silver and just putting it back. And then when it went up, selling it, and and the Lord said, where your treasure is, 
That's where your heart is. He said, you don't lamp silver and gold on earth. Is that not what the Word says? You don't lay it up. So I just kept investing in the kingdom of God. All my investments have been in the kingdom of God. First, probably what, five, ten years we was married? I give half of everything people give to me back into the ministry. And ten years before that, before I met her. So probably 20 years, I invested 50 to 60% of everything God put in my hands back in the ministry and then had dropped down to about probably 20, 25% because I just got under too much obligation with the kids and the family. But that's all right. God still blessed it and God still honored it. It's exactly why we live in where we're living today. God blessed our labors. God blessed our investment. God blessed our sacrifice. You hear what I'm saying? God's blessed us. And people don't understand. But you give to this Word. You give to the ministry. You give to what I preach. It's just like when God told Jacob. He said, you go home. He had served his father-in-law 21 years. God told him, he said, you go home. You go back to your daddy. You go back to your people. <coughs> and Jacob left. He snuck out. With his wives and his children and his cattle. Man, God had blessed him. When he went there, he had nothing. But he made a promise to God. He laid his head on a rock one night. And the Lord dealt with him. He said, God, everything you give me, he said, I'm going to give you at least 10% of it. See, it ain't just giving tithe. The Lord just didn't say honor God with tithe. He said tithe and offerings. Amen. You say, well, I don't believe in paying tithe. You call it what you want to. The Bible said, Honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruit of all thy increase. And first fruit is 10% in the Bible. Is it not? That's 10%. The Lord said, Honor him with all your substance and with the first fruit of all he increases you with. But Malachi, he said, This whole nation to rob me how? In tithe and offering. Your tithe goes to the church Kept church run. Your offerings helps the minister. Y'all hear me? I remember when I was real young in the Lord and I went to a meeting and then they got ready to give the offering and you don't have the offering. So I took an offering up there. I always paid my tithe in my home church. I took an offering up there and then that minister said, I need some of y'all to help me. And I just stood there. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, take that man an offering up there. I said, God, I just took an offering up there. He said, you gave in the ministry. He said, now you do something to help that man's personal needs. He said, because you fixed to be right there. He said, you fixed to be right there. He said, if you don't sow into it, there's going to come a day you're going to need folk to help you. And they're going to stand there and look at you just like you stand there looking at him. So God taught me. God taught me. Amen. Spirit of God will teach you if you'll listen. Spirit of God will teach you if you'll listen to Him. And I learned then it's one thing to give into that ministry, but it's another thing to bless that vessel. Amen. And so when Jacob was sneaking off trying to get home, his daddy-in-law heard about it, man, he'd come after him just as hard as he could go. 
And when he was going after him, the Lord spoke to Laban. He said, you better be careful what you say to that man. You better be careful what you do to him. You better be careful what you say to him. He said, I have blessed you because of that man. <laughs> he said, for that man's sake, he said, I've been good to you, Laban. He said, you better not do him wrong. Y'all hear what I'm telling you? We need to get a focus. We need to get a focus and realize ain't everybody the word of the Lord comes to. It ain't everybody's got that word in their mouth. Just like we got that phone call way back in the eighties. Then people came to the prayer meeting over in Buford. And she called just a screaming and said that her boy got hit by a car. Just like you called screaming that day, Sister Deborah, when Brother Donald got thrown off that four-wheeler and busted his head on the ground. That woman called me and she said, my son just got hit by a car. The ambulance is on its way. We don't know. Spirit of the Lord, come on me. And I spoke that word to her. Told her, it's going to be all right. They didn't have to take him to the hospital. That's when you call somebody a man or a woman of God. That's when you stand with that kind of a word. But we've lost our focus. We've lost our vision. People ain't being given a vision. You go to most people in most of these churches say, what's the vision of the church? What's the vision of the church? People look at it and say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What's the vision of the church? I'm teaching people to possess the kingdom of heaven. To seek for the Christ to be revealed in them. Now, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they, they started talking about whatever it was they was preaching and, and then they reverted back to behold the Lamb of God. I said behold the Lamb of God was 52 years ago. I said, that's all well and good. I said, John came preaching, Behold the Lamb of God. But you know what he preached after that? You know what Jesus come preaching? He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. It's good. I believe in Behold the Lamb of God. But you can't stay with the same message 52 years. Why? God don't stay in the same place in the same season 52 years. You've got to move what the Spirit does. You've got to move with the working of the Spirit. I'm going to Philippians 3. And we'll be reading from verse 10 in Philippians. And I've had people quote scriptures out of Philippians 3. People take that scripture where Paul said, I press toward the mark and the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I say, okay. They say, I'm pressing toward the mark. I say, okay. What does that mean? It means I'm pressing toward the mark. Okay, what mark are you pressing toward? What mark are you pressing toward? What does that scripture really mean? Y'all with me? trying to find it. I'm not. 
No, it's in Philippians. Oh, verse 14. You go back 13. Paul said, Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Man, all people talk about what they've been through. How they give up this. How they give up that. How they done this. How they done that. Paul said, don't worry about what's behind you. Forget about what's behind you. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before me. It's out there. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul said, I see the fullness of God dwelling in the resurrected Christ. And he said, that's what I want. He said, I ain't apprehended this. He said, if y'all have apprehended it, good for you. I ain't got there yet. I ain't perfect yet. But Paul did say there were those that were already perfect or already mature. Did he not? But you go back to verse 10. And I've been preaching this since 2006. See, God started me on this journey and built His kingdom in my spirit. Gave me the revelation of this one bit at a time. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of death. You can't get one people in 10,000 to explain that Scripture to you. They can't do it. That I may know Him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings been made conformable unto His death. Or being made just like Him in death. They can't, uh, people can't explain that. Well, that just means take up your cross and follow Jesus. No, don't. No, don't. You ain't going to be crucified like He was. So how do you be made conformable unto His death? The carnal man's got to die. The carnal man's got to die. And I remember the Lord showed me that vision about Jesus when He was resurrected and His Spirit comes into us. We're going to know everything He knew. We're going to know all His sufferings, going all His pain, all His heartache, all His temptations. And we're going to be able to overcome because He overcame. And the knowledge and wisdom of that man is in us. This ain't all just the Spirit. The man's got to have some wisdom and knowledge and understanding. That's the reason the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. It's the man Christ, Jesus, that can teach you how to overcome. It's the man Christ, Jesus, that has conquered sin in the flesh. Am I making sense to y'all? It's the man Christ, Jesus. Why? Because that man, Christ Jesus, is man and God. When we pray to the Lord, you don't pray straight to the Father. You got a door you go through. That door's what? Jesus is that door. So when you cry out to Him, then that man, along with that Christ, 
understands the man that's praying, and then the Christ part of him says, Father, here's what they need. Here's what they need. Because God don't understand your carnality. He don't understand your infirmities. He don't understand the things you deal with. But the man, Christ Jesus, does. So when the Father speaks, He speaks through to the Christ. And then the man part of Him relates it back to you. says, here's what the Father's saying. Amen. Because without that mediator, we ain't going to understand. We ain't going to understand. A mediator is a go-between. It's a negotiator. When you get in, when, when you got a company and a, like a union talking and they can't come together, they put a mediator. They put a negotiator. And he'll listen to the company and then he'll go to the union and he'll say, here's what they're saying. Here's what they want to do. And then they'll make a counteroffer and come back. That's the way it is with the Lord. That's the way it is with the man Christ Jesus. He's the negotiator and the mediator between God and man. Does that make sense to y'all? That's the reason the Bible says in Romans 8, it says we know not what to pray as we ought. We don't know what to pray. But the Spirit in us makes us utterance and groanings that cannot be understood. In other words, the Spirit of God in us starts praying and that man Christ Jesus can relate it to the Father. And then the Father can relate it back to the man Christ Jesus and He can reveal it to us. Exactly. Because everything you say in carnality, it ain't going nowhere. That's the reason you got to pray usually 15, 20 minutes. Get all your carnality out of you. Tell God everything your carnal man wants. And then your spirit can start praying. You just flat out wear your carnal man out. And then the spirit man starts praying. So Paul said, I want to know him. Paul saw that we could walk in the fullness of Christ. He saw it. He saw the fullness of God in Christ. He said, that's that mark. That's that price. That's what I'm pressing for. To reach that place, to know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings and the power of His resurrection. It's going to come through sufferings. It ain't going to come no other way. He also wrote in that same chapter, he said, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with what? Which shall be what? Y'all going to have glory revealed in you up there? Well, that's what church taught everything you're going to get. You're going to get when you go to heaven. Let me tell you something. You ain't going to have no glory revealed in you up there. There's any glory going to be revealed in you. It's going to be down here. That very scripture you quoted, seek ye, no, the, the other one, seek after righteousness, and you shall be filled. Well, where does your righteousness come from? Christ Jesus being revealed into you. You have no righteousness of yourself. It's when He begins to live in you and is revealed in you. That's where your righteousness comes from. So seek, and you shall be filled. With righteousness. So you've got to be filled with Christ. 
Well, I won't get filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, what you don't know is the Holy Ghost is the real Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the resurrected Christ. And what are people taught the Holy Ghost is? Tongues. I've made so many people so mad because, buddy, I've, I've nailed that thing on the radio station. I cannot stand that doctrine. When I got the Holy Ghost, I spoke in tongues. What'd you do? No, you didn't. Because you spoke in the same tongues and people spoke on the book of Acts. You speak it in natural languages. And y'all didn't do that. You believe in heavenly talk? Sure I do. Well, Brother Matter, don't you know that speaking in tongues is a sign the Holy Ghost has come in? Don't you know the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is given for a sign not to the believer but to the unbeliever? Y'all run around speaking in tongues at each other trying to convince everybody in church you got the Holy Ghost. The Bible said it ain't to the believers, to the unbeliever. Did it not say that tongues was a sign? Did it not say in Mark 16, you'll speak with new tongues as what? A sign. These signs shall follow. Didn't say it was evidence. You can't find one scripture in the Word of God that says speaking in tongues is evidence the Holy Ghost has come in. If I'm going down the road and I see a, a sign that points to a road, turns off the right and it says dead end, that's a sign that if I go down that road, I'm going to hit a dead end. But until I turn and go down that road and get to that dead end, there's no evidence. It's just a sign that I'm fixing to hit a dead end. There are a lot of folks fixing to hit a dead end or already have. So, but the Lord's wanting a vision. He's wanting a determination and a press. And if we don't get a determination and a press, I'm telling you, people fixing to miss their calling. Because God said, new anointing, new crop, new ministry. You ain't going to win this world out here on what you've done 20 years ago. You ain't going to do it. We went out of state over Easter and preached. There was a woman there. Back when I first met her family, she was about probably 10, 12 years old. She knew me before I got saved. She seen what happened in my life when I gave my life to the Lord. She said, Brother Matter, she said, I remember all your fasting, praying, seeking God. I remember your sacrifice. She said, I remember the way you preached back then. She said, I'm going to tell you something. What you preached back then, she said, ain't going to win people. She said, what you preaching now? Because I preached the kingdom. I laid that kingdom down. It's basic, simple. And she said, that. I mean, it excited her. She said, that's going to help people. She said, preaching what we come up under 30, 40 years ago, she said, they ain't going to do it. She said, but this kingdom you're preaching now, she said, that's going to get people. That's going to win folks. So, we're going to get a burden. We're going to get a vision. We're going to get a determination. And we're going to start pressing. And we're going to miss. You know, you can't miss the mark. You can miss the mark. Amen? You can miss the mark. I ain't going to come 47 years and miss the mark. Not by the grace of God, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. But you look how Paul went on, and he said, he said in verse 11, if by any means, 
I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. In other words, Paul saw we can be like Jesus after his resurrection, not before. But first we've got to put on this ministry of the Son of Man. Just stop to ask people. You believe in the manifested sons of God? Oh, yeah, Brother Matter, I believe it. I believe it too. I believed it all my life. Until about three years ago. And if I stop and ask people, just stop and ask some of them you know, what do you believe the manifested sons of God are? What do you believe the manifested sons of God are? Yeah, any of you. Yeah, now you know, but what have you believed for years? Who was taught about the manifested sons of God? They were going to be like Jesus on this earth. Right. But that's wrong. That's wrong. We're not going to be like Jesus. That was the Son of Man. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That was the ministry of the Son of Man. That's what we're going into now. Yeah. Now, it was real, but it was taught wrong. The manifested sons of God are not being like Jesus on this earth. The manifested sons of God are walking in the power of the resurrection. What we're coming into right now is the ministry of the Son of Man, which is the way Jesus was on this earth. You're not going to see the manifestation of the sons of God until the Son of God's revealed in you in the fullness. And that's what you was talking about. You can be like Jesus. Y'all following me? You can be like Jesus. But you've got to become like Jesus, the man, before you can become like the Son of God. That makes sense to y'all? It's just like the Lord spoke to me in 2006 and started talking to me about the power of His resurrection. Man, I started meditating on that. I said, wow. I mean, that really got my attention. And... I was pondering on it. There's some things I couldn't quite figure out. And the Lord asked me. He said, you want to be as I was or you want to be as I am? And I said, let's see. I said, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> I said, I'll take as you are right now. There's a difference between the way Jesus was when He walked this earth and the way He is right now. Because there's no sin nature. Whether people won't accept it or not, Jesus battled sin nature just like we did when He walked this earth. Couldn't He? Couldn't have been tempted in all points like as we are. He couldn't have been. But the church will teach you He was 100% man and He could have sinned, but He was 100% God and couldn't have sinned. I said, how dumb is that? How are you going to get 200% in one body? He's 100% man and he could have sinned, but he's 100% God and couldn't have sinned. That is about as dumb a statement, but I'm going to tell you the majority of the churches teach you that. They teach you that, but they don't teach you you can be like him. And I asked somebody the other day, I said, didn't the Bible say that Jesus said he's going to have a church without spot, blemish, and wrinkle, any such thing? 
I said, where's that church going to come from? All Brother Meadows, you go up. I said, I got news for you. I said, if you don't get something, you ain't going up. Yeah, the Lord's going to change us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye as we get caught out. I don't think so. You see what people are up against? They're up against spiritual wickedness in high places. They're up against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness, darkness, and they're up against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's taught people. All they got to do is get saved. And then they just wait for the Lord to come, away from them to die and go to heaven. And that's what the church has done for the last 50 years, 60 years. There ain't been a move of God to change people since Azusa Street. And that was, what, 113 years ago? God started pouring His Spirit out. But you know by the time God poured His Spirit out in 1906 and they come back together the next year, everything gone in total confusion. They couldn't have the move of God they had in 06 because everybody started trying to organize it, put their own spin on it. God ain't going to let man put spin on this. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. But I'm telling you, we're going to have to have some examples. We're going to have, somebody's going to have to seek to bear witness. That woman looked at him and said, when he presented that son alive, she said, by this, I know that thou art a man of God. By this, I know. Amen. By this, I know that thou art a man of God. I don't think it's in Second Kings with the Shudamite woman. Let me see if I can find it. By this I know. What kind of witness have y'all seen make you know somebody is in that place you can call a man of God? What kind of witness? Did God not say in Hebrews 2 and 4, God also bearing him witness with diverse signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost? as you yourselves also know. Them men had a witness. Peter shouted, healed the sick. Peter and John yanked the lame man up on his feet. Peter raised the dead. Paul raised the dead. Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. He got out and prayed, turned to her, and said, Tabitha, arise. Y'all think he was praying for power to raise the dead? No. He's praying where there's the will of God. Huh? I know it's Second Kings. It's right in there in the first couple chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Verse. If you look at verse eight, it said it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunan, where was a great woman. That means she had great wealth, great possessions. Second Kings 4 and 8. Fell on that day that he passed that way. And there was a woman of great wealth, great possessions. And she went and told her husband, said, Behold, I perceive that a man of God. I've heard about this man. I've heard about the miracles. I've heard about... I heard how he took Elijah's mantle and parted the waters after Elijah went up. This man's got a word in his mouth. He's got a word in his soul. 
I perceive that this is a holy man of God and I want to do something for him. You know what they've done? Built a room on the side of their house. Oh, well, doesn't matter. I might give an offering or something. But go to the expense to build a room. But look what it done. <laughs> but look what it done for. Look what it done for after God, God spoke the word of the Lord into her body. And she was old. The Bible says she was old. Never had a son. Verse 16, and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, don't you lie to me. Don't you lie to my thy handmaiden. Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. That was verse 14. In other words, her, her husband was impotent. I don't know if she's still a childbearing age or not, but she hadn't had no kids. She couldn't conceive because his body was dead. He didn't like Abraham. His body was dead. She had God turned around give her a son. They probably thought that woman was crazy. She'd come in shopping for maternity clothes. They probably thought she'd lost her mind. But when the child died, she, she went up laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Verse 21. Let me see what. That's when she went to Elijah, Elisha. And he said, Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy son? Is it well with thee? You know what she answered? It is well. You know why? She believed that word that spoke that son in her womb. It's going to raise him up. You tell me somebody's got this kind of faith. You tell me somebody that God is working in and moving in. I remember way back in 92, I was in a tent meeting in Anderson, South Carolina. And there was a woman that was attending that meeting there, and I knew her. Known her for several years. And she had a daughter. As a matter of fact, I ministered that daughter in 88. She wasn't even married yet. And I called her out, ministered to her, and I looked at her, and I said, God's going to bless the fruit of your womb. She come to her mom and said, you tell Brother Matter? She said, I didn't tell him nothing. I said, God saw it. Because she planned on getting married, and she had already conceived. And after that, they knew I was a man of God. Because they hadn't told nobody. And during that meeting, was four years later. I was closer up to their hometown. That was in Greenville in 88. I was, I was up in Anderson. I was closer up. They, they lived outside of Greenville. And I'd been in a time of fasting, seeking God, and I had a dream. And in the dream, I pulled up on the tent lot. I'd just broken a fast. And she pulled up beside me and said, Brother Matter, come quick. I said, what's wrong? She said, my daughter just had a baby. They can't get lives on like a couple blocks down here. So I, you know, went with her to the hospital, walked in there, and that doctor working on that baby. And I'm going to tell you something. That baby was just blue as your shirt, Justin. I mean, just as blue. Couldn't get that baby to breathe, and that doctor worked on him like 30 minutes. And I walked up, and he was standing there, he was working on it. He looked at me and just snarled at me and said, What do you think you can do? I said, Nothing. 
He said, well, I'm going to call the baby's death. I said, just give me a few minutes before you do. He stormed out of the room and said, you can't do nothing. Baby's dead. I said, okay. So the Lord spoke to me, and I started walking back and forth. And the Lord said, you go over and cover the baby's nose and mouth with your mouth and breathe in it. I did, and I looked at the baby. I said, in the name of Jesus, live. Nothing happened. I walked a few more minutes, and the Lord told me, he said, do it again. I done it again, and I spoke to the baby. I said, in the name of Jesus, live. Nothing happened. I walked a few more minutes. The Lord said, do it again. I walked over and put my mouth on that baby's nose and mouth, took a big, deep breath, and blew in it. When I did, the Spirit of the Lord come on me. And I screamed at that baby in that authority. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to live. That baby coughed, started squalling, and turned just as bright red. That blood started flowing through that baby's body. And that doctor heard that baby crying. He come in there and looked at me and said, What'd you do? I said, Nothing. You know, I was with some preachers in a meeting probably about a month later, and one of them was talking to me. He said, I heard the Lord visited you. He said, tell me what happened. And I started telling him. Another preacher sitting right behind me listening. He said, that wasn't God. I said, yeah, hide and watch. Hide and watch. See, the Lord's been talking to me about dead raising ever since 84. The Lord told me he was going to raise the dead from the embalmed state. When they embalm you, you're as dead as dead can be. Because a lot of times they don't leave all your organs in you. They stuff you and pickle you, <laughs> so to speak. What do they do? So I, I was trying to find out. Y'all pardon my terminology. <laughs> See, when Elijah went in the house where she laid the boy, he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes. See, I knew what God was showing me was right because it's, it's, it's the Word. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went and stretched himself upon the child seven times. He only seen three. And the child opened his eyes. He got hold of Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her. When she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. And she went in and fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. This one you know. And the Lord started dealing with me early this morning. Daniel said, I see a people that they know their God. They shall be strong and do exploits. There are a lot of people going to have healings. They may even have some miracles. But I asked the Lord time. I said, God, what's the difference between miracles and healings and exploits? He said, parting the waters like Moses and Joshua did, telling the sun to be still like Joshua did calling fire down from heaven like Elijah. He said, that's exploits. He said, turning the water to wine. 
multiplying the loaves and the fishes. He said, that's exploits. He said, there's a lot of people may have healings and miracles. He said, but they're going to be a people that do know their God. In other words, they're going to be in a relationship with him. They're going to know their God. They shall do exploits. But see, we ain't pressing for nothing. We ain't pressing for this Christ to be revealed in us. We ain't pressing. We've gotten comfortable. We've got settled down waiting for God to do everything. Let me tell you something. If you want God to do something, you got to present yourself to him. What did he say in Romans 12 and 2? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto me. Which he said, that's what you're supposed to do. That's your reasonable service. He didn't say that's something extra. He said, that's just your reasonable service. He said, and I won't let you be conformed to this world. He said, be ye therefore not conformed to this world, but be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't renew your own mind. The Spirit of God has to renew you. So don't be conformed to this world. What does the word conform me? Fashion just like. But then you therefore transform. The word transform means like a morph or a remodel. Be transformed in the renewing. That mind's got to be restored. It's got to be revived. It's got to be renewed. Amen. In the spirit. People's never been renewed in the spirit of their minds. When I come to the Lord 47 years ago, the Lord renewed me in the spirit of my mind. Because I thought different, acted different, walked different, talked different. I might even spit different. But God changed me. We've got to let God change us again. Amen. We've got to let you know, people ain't, they ain't seeking for nothing. I don't care how much you talk about this kingdom. Are you pressing for it? Are you seeking for it? you got a desire for it. You know, when Jacob reached that place where he sent everything over to Esau, the Bible said he, he dwelt alone. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. He took hold of that angel. Why? He's in desperation. He knew he was fixing to die if God didn't intervene for him. Amen. When we get that desperation, and the Bible said he took hold of that angel and he had power with God and he prevailed. But while he was wrestling with that angel, that angel looked at him and said, What's thy name? He said, Jacob. He said, Thy name shall no longer be Jacob, but thy name shall be called Israel. For as a prince with God hast thy power and thou hast prevailed. God gave him the power to prevail over the angel because he was determined. He was determined. He was in desperation. He was determined. He had to have that visitation. He had to have God change him. He had to have God move for him. You get the place, you've got to have God move for you. Then you're going to get desperate. And you're going to, you're going to press God. We don't go into this meeting in August pressing. And I mean it needs to start now. Start pressing God. He's exactly on target, son. If we want God to change us, there's got to be a pressing. People ain't, I'm telling you, the Lord told me, said, we'll be under people that are at ease inside. People fix and miss their calling. People fix and miss what they chose for because they let all these cares of life. What did the Bible say? If you get caught up in the cares and riches and pleasures of life, 
you'll bring forth no fruit unto perfection. You won't, you won't mature. There are a lot of people love God, they serve God, but they've never been taught to press. They've never been taught to come to maturity. Perfection is maturity. Did y'all hear what I said? Perfection is coming to the completeness that what God wants to work in you. And all people do is have a good church, preaching recycled messages. They ain't teaching people to to fight. They ain't teaching them to press. They ain't teaching them to push. And we got to have these five ministers restored. That's one thing we need to be pressing on God. Why? Because He said, I'll give you these five ministers. What did He give them to us for? Perfecting of the saints. Work of the ministry. Edifying of the body of Christ. body of Christ ain't getting edified. body of Christ is scattered. You got so many people preaching so much junk, so many different things, people don't even know what truth is anymore. They don't. They don't know what's right. They just go to church, have a good time. And they go to church, just sing and shout and feel good. They ain't really, there's not really a hunger for the Word anymore because there really ain't no Word preached that they ain't heard a thousand times before. There ain't no hunger for God. There ain't no desire. We gotta have a desire. We gotta have a desire. And what I wanna do, I wanna lay hands on y'all for God to give you a desire to seek his face. I wanna lay hands on you and I think I got enough anxious here to give everybody one because there ain't that many of us. I got five here. One, two, three, four. Yeah, that'll do it. Give y'all one of these and pray for you for God to give you a desire. Because Paul went on and said, Till we all come into unity. There ain't no unity of the faith. And to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. To the measure of the statue. And that word statue means to come to the same maturity of years that Jesus come to. The measure of the statue of the, of the Son of God. So we all come to the knowledge of the Son of Man, that measure and the statute of the fullness of Christ is what it says. So we've got to come to that fullness of Christ. But we can't come to the fullness of it if we don't have the press to enter into what God's doing right now. So I want to, I just want to pray for you. And I ain't going to try to make something happen. I ain't going to try to push you down. Somebody posted a, a little story the other day and said this man come up forward to preacher. They want him to tell evangelist and he said, I want you to pray with me about my hearing. He said the preacher laid his hands on him, jerked him and moved him, you know, just shouted and prayed and prayed for God to heal his hearing. And he said back about two or three minutes, he said, Well how is she hearing now? He said, I don't know, it ain't Tuesday at the courthouse. better stay on track. <laughs> but I want to I pray this prayer for you. 
And I believe God has ordained this service. I can tell you by the Word and the working of the Spirit, there's something here today. Yes. And it ain't just the Word. It's there, there's a working of the yes, Spirit. But you know it's up to us to keep that working of the Spirit moving, growing, coming forth, and that's getting things out of our life that's going to hinder. Amen. So I appreciate everybody being here today, and I'm uh, just going to take a few minutes here and just pray with you, give you one of these handkerchiefs, and y'all take this. I take it and keep it with me and find time to pray every day and ask the Lord, bring you to this place. Bring you to this place of hunger. Bring you to this place of thirst and this desire. He said, if you hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. What did he say it happened? Boy, you're going to be filled with. That's where your righteousness comes from. So if you hunger and thirst after Him, you hunger and thirst after Him to be revealed in you. See, church has no vision. They ain't been taught nothing. You can talk to, you can talk to a hundred people that goes to church. Church ain't got no vision. I'm going to tell you, there's there's denominational churches have a greater vision. They have a greater vision. I know we went to a, a church service probably sometime last year, and they got up. Each leader in the church got up and told what their vision was and how they was going to go about to accomplish it. You don't find that in Pentecostal folks. And I know people get mad, but, man, we we got to get back on track. People fall based on what God done today at Pentecost to where folks are now. You can't just keep talking about a move of God. There's got to be a witness. You know, that's what, when my son went to Africa September a year ago, and he come back and said, I spent 30 minutes witnessing to a woman about the Lord. and said, now you ready to receive Jesus? She said, no. He said, well, why not? He said, there ain't no witness in you to show that your God's greater than my God. <laughs> there ain't no witness. And you know I've told y'all, asked y'all, what's your witness? What's your witness? Those apostles had a witness. Acts 4.33, with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But there was a power in the early church. I mean, Stephen wasn't called to one of the five offices. He called the deacons. But the Bible said he had great faith, great power, had great miracles because he believed. Amen. we got to, we got to take hold of this thing. If we don't, we're going to lose this. And I don't want to fight this thing another 20, 30 years. I'm ready to move into something. Amen. Let's go to prayer. Let's ask God to bless this word. Father, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for the working and the moving of your spirit. God, I thank you that your name, Jesus, be honored, magnified, and glorified by this word and the working of your spirit. Let this sink down in us, Lord. God, there's got to be something move us and motivate us that we can take root downward. And God will spring forth upward and bear fruit. 
There's no fruit being revealed, Lord. There's no fruit coming forth. There's no sign. There's, there's no witness. God, give us leadership. Restore the fivefold ministry. Put us back on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen.